Mawale for the win. Good! wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Pino gets the crossing. He's towards one man. Twenty-one world championship medals. She is the greatest of all time. You just can't say it enough. Wow. Women singles champion Serena Williams. Large Williams into Bird in the corner. You bet. She's done it again. Sue Bird. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to this week's edition of All In. I'm Julia Moss. I'm joined here by Maddie Monty and Taylor Massetta. And we have probably one of the most content-heavy episodes we've had in a while. The NWSL draft just finished up, and with that, a lot of chaos ensued as well. But before we get into all that, Maddie, Taylor, how are you guys doing? I am so excited to talk about the draft. This has been one of the biggest things on my mind, and I got to preview it last week. And so to see it in action this week has been absolutely crazy. I'm also almost celebrating my birthday this week. So it's like a birthday present to see the NWSL draft and see everybody get drafted and to see some of my favorite players like get put on their teams because I'm a huge fan of college soccer. I love rooting for my hometown teams. I'm a huge Duke fan. So it was exciting to see Duke players get into the draft this year and go pretty high. So I'm very excited to talk about it. Well, first off, happy birthday, Maddie. Um, It's been a good week. I just got back to campus because I am currently in training for my indoor season, which starts up this weekend. So that's been really exciting. I've been locked in on the draft pretty much all night. Just could not tear my eyes away from the screen until we had to record this podcast. Just so excited. I cannot wait to see what these college players can do like in the future. And I can't wait to dive right into it. Absolutely. And with that being said, this was probably one of the most chaotic drafts of any sport I've ever seen in my life. Just to preface it before you really get into it, the initial draft order heading into the draft. And of course, if you're a fan of the NWSL, you know that ended up changing even more after the draft started. But heading in, here is the draft order. And I'm going to say next to each team, if they traded or not traded to get to that spot. So we're going to start with Angel City, number one, traded to get there. Gotham, number two, traded to get there. Orlando Pride, one of the few that didn't trade to get to the top four spots. Top five spots, rather. Gotham, four, traded to get there. Portland, five, traded to get there. And then we move over to the North Carolina draft portion of the night because they had like six of seven picks at one point. They they had the sixth pick, which they that was their actual natural spot. They had the eighth and ninth pick. They traded both of those. And then they had the 11th pick as well. And they traded to get there as well. So to even get the order that we saw coming into this night, it was absolutely crazy. And that it didn't stop there. The first pick went off the board and it wasn't a surprise to anyone. Probably the calmest portion of the night that we saw, especially in the first hour. Angel City picked one. They knew they were going after Alyssa Thompson. They got who they wanted. 18-year-old high school phenom, the first high schooler drafted in NWSL history. And she's from California. So going into that LA team, I feel like that fit is so perfect there. Guys, I know this wasn't a huge surprise, but what are your first impressions of Alyssa Thompson? 
I was really impressed to see this pick go the way it went. I knew kind of going into it, like you mentioned, Alyssa Thompson was going to be that unanimous pick. It wasn't decisive other than the fact that was she going to even want to go to the NWSL? Was she ready? Was she prepared to do that? Uh, She had a commitment, I believe, at Stanford. So that was her backup pick. Um, but I think the way this has worked out for her, it's almost going to be very difficult for her to try and turn this one away. I think this is a pretty strong lock. And I think when you have so much talent as a high school 18 year old phenom, like you said, I think that she can fit right in with Angel City, you know, being that kind of newer team ready to branch out and really do your thing. I think this is a great fit for her. And I think this is a great step moving forward for the team. Well, I am so excited for Thompson. Like, imagine being a high school and you're already drafted to, like, your like a dream pro team. That is just so cool. And she gets to stay home. Like, what else can you ask for? She's going to grow, like, over time. And she's just going to get even better. But she's still going to make an immediate impact with that team. And, like, she's already got that experience. She's already played for the U.S. Women's National Team. So she's up there with the veterans. She, she knows how these pro teams go. So... I think she's going to flourish out there and I cannot wait to see her on the field. Absolutely. And then you look at someone like Sophia Smith and people, I feel like there's a lot of the same kind of conversation happening around Alyssa Thompson that people had about Sophia Smith being so young, being so great at such a young age, but Alyssa Thompson, like having in the NWSL is younger than Sophia Smith was. So I feel like that room to improve, it's scary, but it's higher than Sophia Smith. We've already seen, you know, she, she's a, uh, U.S. Female Soccer Player of the Year, won the NWSL Championship, scored the most goals for the U.S. Women's National Team in the past year. You know, the accolades for Sophia Smith, they run super deep. And Alyssa Thompson's project or trajectory, rather, is, is headed in that same direction. So Angel City definitely got a good one. Going to be there with Kristen Press, who's coming off of ACL injury. You know, there's a lot of vets there. I think she'll have an immediate impact, and she's really going to balance that veteran up front. Uh, attack that Angel City has with that youth that she brings so that I mean Angel City pretty much won that won the draft just with that pick because the way they got there was also really interesting this is one of the most confusing draft or trades that I've ever seen heading into the draft so it was a four-team trade Portland traded Yasmin Ryan remember Yasmin Ryan she was kind of the the anchor of this uh this trade Portland traded Yasmin Ryan to Angel City for two hundred thousand dollars Angel City's 2023 first round pick and Angel's Angel City's 2024 second round pick. Angel City then immediately traded Yasmin Ryan and $250,000 to Gotham FC for the number one pick. Because as we know, Gotham did not perform last season. They very strongly earned that one pick overall. They were bad. Um, and then Gotham sent $350,000 and a 2024 fourth round draft pick to Orlando for the number two draft pick in this year, in this year's NWSL draft. So each team ended up with Gotham, Yasmin Ryan, 250 grand, and number two overall pick. Angel City ended up with the one overall pick. Portland ended up with the 2024 second round pick, $200,000, a fifth overall pick. And Orlando ended up with $350,000 and a fourth round pick. And that's just one trade. It was a four-team trade, but that's what each team ended up with. So that that was a breathful. We're moving on here to the second overall pick. Uh Kansas City, and that's a whole other can of worms we've got there because Kansas City actually traded with Gotham to get the second pick. And what is one of the most amazing trades, I personally, as someone who attends a lot of Gotham games, who reports for Gotham, Lynn Williams is heading to New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC in a trade with Kansas City. It was a straight up number two overall pick for Lynn Williams. 
So, I mean, you're looking at Gotham's team here. We've got Lynn Williams now. We've got Kelly O'Hara in a free agency signing. And then, of course, Mitch, Mitch Purse, Christy Mewis. Guys, Lynn Williams is in New Jersey. What were our first first thoughts when that trade went through? I felt horrible. I, as a Courage fan, felt so sick to my stomach when I saw this because Lynn Williams has been such a constant for this Courage franchise, even before it was the Courage, when it was the Western New York Flash, as that kind of player that was always there in the NWSL, really being that champion of that team, being a leader and being that person who would get you the goals when you need it, aside from other players on the team. And after the very poor finish that the courage had over the last season finishing in, in sixth place in seventh place was it six or seventh. I believe, I believe it was sixth. Yeah, probably six. Yeah. It was something not to what the courage had been in previous years where they had gone from being sixth to being first constantly year in and year out being that force to be reckoned with in the NWSL prior to the Portland thorns um, kind of reign of terror that they've had in the NWSL. Now it's without Lynn Williams and without later that we're going to talk about the loose of Dabinia, it's crazy to think that this team is really going to make an improvement this year, even with kind of the people that they've gotten, which to me as a Courage fan shocked me. Um, but kind of dating back to the Lynn Williams thing, Lynn Williams, like I said, an absolute great player for this team getting um, – in you know in 2021 she had seven goals in 2019 she had 12 2018 the year that they won the cup they got 14 goals she just has consistently been an offensive attacking player that I think that this Gotham team really could use because Gotham's number one struggle that they had was finishing they were able to get the plays going and they could not find the back of the net for whatever reason I think Lynn Williams is going to be an exceptional talent to this team and I think Going forward, this is one of the best trades and acquisitions that we saw in this NWSL draft. Well, I got one very excited text from Julia, and I think that's like the perfect way to kind of encapsulate all of this. This is huge for Gotham. They they need Williams, especially after last year. They She is one great goal scorer, and that is what Gotham needs. If they had kept this number two pick, we saw the number two pick went to Michelle Cooper. She's heading to the current. She's a great goal. She's a great goal scorer, too. But Williams has that experience. She's been in the NWSL. She knows how this all works. And she's one fast player. And she is coming back from injury. She tore her Achilles last season. But she's she's already scored several champions, or she's already won several championships with Courage. She knows how to be a winner. And I think Gotham is going to need her attitude, her speed, her tenacity. And I think it's really going to do wonders for this team. Yeah. And you guys both mentioned great points. Uh I feel honestly, I feel the most bad for Kansas City because they they got Lynn Williams last year and she immediately got a season-ending injury. So Kansas City never really got to see Lynn Williams play. Really unfortunate situation. But to bring this full New York, something that I consider Gotham to be a lot like now is the New York Mets. And bear with me for a second because you look at this Mets team right now and they are emptying the bank to win now. And there's a lot of older players, a lot of good players, but the pressure that you see on the Mets, I think is now onto Gotham now because Gotham is kind of giving up the idea of we're going to build young and really rebuild because it's, it's really nothing but veteran power we see on this team with McCall Zerboni as a captain. Kelly O'Hara is nearing retirement. Um, Lynn Williams is 30. Uh, Christy Mewis is over 30, you know, but all great players. But when you see 
a team who did poorly last year, in fact, last in the league, give up the chance to get young players like a Michelle Cooper, you really have that pressure on you, I think, going into this next season to not only make the playoffs, but compete for a championship. Because if not, you only get a few good years out of most of these players. I mean, Christy Mewis, as great as she is, I don't think she's going to be playing till she's 37, 38. And I think that's the case for most players who are playing soccer right now. So it'll be really interesting to see how Lynn Williams fits in this Gotham team. And yeah, so Kansas City got Michelle Cooper. We didn't really get to talk about that. So Maddie, what do you think about Michelle Cooper heading to the Kansas City Current? Was it worth trading Lynn Williams away to get Michelle Cooper? I don't know if it was worth trading Lynn Williams away, but I think definitely this isn't a loss for the Current. I think Michelle Cooper was absolutely impressive with Duke and Dukem themselves did not have a bad run at all this year, going um, a couple rounds in the NCAA tournament, losing to Alabama. But they had a pretty successful 15-5-3 record. They went 6-2-2 two two in the conference, obviously playing second fiddle to UNC, who was electric this season. And in the, UNC is always a force to be reckoned with in the ACC. Um, but Michelle Cooper has an impressive resume as the U-20 captain for the U.S. Women's National Team. She finished her season with 19 goals and 11 assists. I think if you're looking for a goal scorer who's quick on her feet and can learn about the game, I think Michelle Cooper can be that person, even though she is still pretty young as a Duke sophomore now going into this draft. She has a lot of room to grow, and I think if you shape her the right way with your team and you really build around her and and get her going, I, I don't think this is a poor acquisition at all, but the Lynn Williams thing does sting a little bit for them. It definitely does. Yeah, Maddie, I completely agree with you. It's going to be a big loss losing Williams, but I think Michelle Cooper is going to be a great, like almost like replacement. She's going to step up in Williams' absence. She's a relentless goal scorer, massive front runner, and I think Kansas City is really just going to develop her into this like amazing player, and I really can't wait to see what she does next. All things considered, I think this trade is pretty balanced. On paper, you might think, whoa, like Lynn Williams is someone you were planning to build your franchise around. How could you get rid of her? But she is, I mean, she's 30. She's coming off an Achilles tear. That's not an easy injury to come back from whatsoever. And then, you know, Michelle Cooper is obviously young. She's coming into the league just this year. So I think time will really tell who won this trade. It's hard to say now if Lynn Williams comes off of this injury and goes back to her her prime as she was before, her goal-scoring self. I think it'll balance out a lot. And I think it also depends on how Michelle, Michelle Cooper progresses because it's a big step going from college to pro as it is in any league. So there's no telling yet. I think there's a lot of unknowns surrounding this trade. But we're going to move on here. Orlando picked third. They picked Emily Madrill, another homegrown talent staying in Florida. She went to Florida State, staying in the state of Florida, going to Orlando. She has pro experience, uh, 2021 ACC Defender of the Year. Orlando needs help in defense. They got what they wanted. I think that'll be great. Moving to four, Gotham finally got a pick after all the trades they went through. They were they had one at one point, two at one point, and now they're picking at four. Jenna Nyswanger, attacking midfielder, also from Florida State. We're seeing a bit of a trend here. I love this pick. As a team that was outscored by over 30, that's a number that I didn't even think you could really get that low to. Having an attacking midfielder who can score, along with Lynn Williams, who can score, Chris Kimuis, who can set up goals. I'm feeling confident about Gotham looking at this draft, guys. Jenna Nyswanger, what are we thinking? I also am very impressed with this pick. I'm really excited to see 
Florida State really coming to their own. Florida State losing to UNC in the semifinals. No judgment to them on that one. Like I mentioned, UNC, a terrible, terribly like scary team to face this year. And they made it pretty far and they had a pretty successful team. They faced UNC three times this season against in the ACC tournament, which they were able to win and take out that ACC tournament big victory. Um, So I think this team that she comes from has a really well-rounded background. And I think implementing her into this Gotham lineup coming from such a prestigious team now, I think that's going to work really well for her. Um, She's obviously very excited to join the team that adds a lot of impact to it. And I think when you enter into, um, a market like New York and you enter in from a different state like Florida, I think she has a lot of potential to bring, um, especially on the field and off, and off the field. I think just as a whole, she's a well-rounded person, a well-rounded player. And I think this is a great pick for them. And I think it's a really secure one. One that I honestly didn't predict that the got that Gotham was going to take going into this. Um, I really had a couple of more players above her when it looked at my, you know, top 10 picks but I don't think this is a bad pick at all. And I think this is honestly a good pick on Gotham for really getting there and picking somebody that, hey, maybe we should go for somebody a little bit different that might not be getting the limelight they deserve. And and she's going to get it now on Gotham. And I think it's very impressive. Yeah. Can we talk about how FSU has three players selected in the first round? I think that just speaks absolute volumes about how incredible that program is. And Walker, I think she is an excellent pick she's she might be the best midfielder available for this class she's sophisticated she can efficiently feed you the ball and I think Gotham is very happy with their front scores and I think she's going to make immediate contributions absolutely I give Gotham a pretty much an a plus here they knew what they were bad at last year and that was scoring goals it seemed like everything kind of meld or molded together except for getting the ball in the back of the net and it's clear they're they're uh, putting a lot of effort into fixing that issue Moving on to number five, Portland, coming off of a championship. I think this really, this issue that they have is one that not a lot of teams have because the gap between how good Portland's lineup is versus everyone else, I think, is there and it's pretty sizable. But we're coming into a World Cup year. There's going to be a lot of time missed by World Cup players. And it's a good problem to have because it shows that your lineup is really good. But there are going to be so many Portland Thorns who aren't going to be playing for this team for a long time, especially a lot of U.S. players. And, you know, hopefully, all things considered, uh, the U.S. is probably going to go pretty far in the World Cup. So that's a lot of time missed. So Portland really needs to take this draft to get a good player who will step into the role of a Sophia Smith or a Becky Sauerbrunn or a Crystal Dunn, because there, there are so many players from this Portland team who are going to be missing time. And with that, they picked Raina Reyes, forward slash midfielder from Alabama. I was thinking maybe you go goalkeeper here. It's super high up to do that, but, you know, they need a goalkeeper. So I was a little surprised by this. Um, well, I had her going somewhere in the 8 and 12 range, not necessarily in the top five, but they got the person they wanted. She's very versatile. Uh, moving on to Courage, number six. They have so many picks in the first round. It's actually crazy. They uh, With their first pick, they picked Olivia Wingate from Notre Dame. Uh, this is just one of the first surprises that I had from the Courage throughout this night. Uh, she was picked way higher than I thought she was going to be. Uh, she may have even been there for the second or even the third round. So I was very surprised by this. Um, we'll talk about the Courage in the front office a little bit later in much more depth. But right after the Courage uh made that very questionable pick. They then made what I consider a very questionable trade right after. 
Um, North Carolina received the eighth overall pick, a 2023 international spot, a 2024 first-round pick, and $100,000. But what they gave up to the Houston Dash was Deanna Ordonez and a 30th overall pick. I know Ordonez wanted to leave, but she is so young, and she scored 11 goals last season. And a North Carolina team that's struggling to score goals, I feel like you could have gotten so much more than this. Maddie, I know you have followed the courage for for quite some time. What were your thoughts on this trade? It's really upsetting to see this because as she wanted to leave, I think that plays in part to just how the courage has fallen apart over the last couple seasons. And I think maybe if you came back to her and said, hey, look at these picks that we're getting in the draft this year. Look at what we're adding to the team. Look at what we're helping build around you and these other key players that we have. Don't leave. We have a lot to offer you. They didn't do that in this draft, and and I don't want to jump too much into it right now, but it's really disheartening to see this kind of pick. Uh, it it makes no sense to me um, to just give up on a player like that who has done so much for your franchise and so much for your team that it, it's really questionable. It's really upsetting to me, and I'm just not very happy with this kind of move. And typically when you trade up for a player, it's for a player that you don't think is going to be there when your pick is there. But the whole concept of them trading up to the eighth pick is really confusing for me, not only because of who they pick, but because they have the ninth pick and the 11th pick. So there's between, and there's only one pick in between uh, their sixth and their eighth pick, or six, and there's only two, sorry, two picks between their sixth and their ninth pick, and they traded up for the eighth. And Penelope Hawking went to the Red Stars at seven, but then, of course, uh, the Courage ended up picking again at eight. And they po- they chose Sydney Collins, uh, a good player. But again, when you trade up to get somebody, you typically see them in a, in a light of they won't be on the board when we pick. And like I said before, even that concept is really interesting because the Courage were picking ninth. But that eighth pick, I didn't agree with Sydney uh, Collins going that high and then going into the ninth pick. They picked Clara Robbins. Um, again, didn't think that was the best pick. I think we see a theme here. But the one thing I will say about the courage is that they are covering their their bases with actual uh, diversity within their players. Um, they picked a, a midfielder, a defender, a forward. You know, the only thing missing was was a keeper, and they ended up getting another forward at at eleven. So I guess that's the one good thing they're getting players in a lot of different positions. But I think there were just so many good players on the board before those three picks that they made that it's really confusing to me. Um, but we're going to move along here. Those were the top 10 picks. Well, current pick 10, they got uh, Alexis Spanstra from Virginia. Um, interesting not to go to a defender here because um, the only defender they did pick um or rather, they've had defensive issues. Um, so I thought they'd go with a defender here because they picked um, a forward earlier in the draft. But overall thoughts on the top 10 picks, who did we like to see go off the board when they did and who did we not like? Maddie, you can go first. Well, I predicted a decent amount of people going in this round one, but I was honestly surprised to see some people miss out on that round one. Number one being Messiah Bright, who I really expected to be a crucial pick for some of these teams as somebody who played five years with TCU, somebody who was a veteran and understanding player. She had 49 career goals 
10 in her final season. She was a a U23 women's national team player. She had so much to offer to the table and she did not make that first round, which is really shocking to me when you look at some of the other people that these teams picked, specifically the courage. I'm looking at you. I don't understand why a girl like this was passed up on when she had so much to offer this team and this franchise. But enough about my rant on the courage. Two people I was very impressed to see. I was very impressed to see Michelle Cooper. I will never say a bad word about Duke soccer. I've always been impressed with them. And I think Michelle Cooper is no exception to that. I think she was absolutely impressive with the U.S. Women's National Team under 20, um, with her and Duke, with what they accomplished this season. I think she did the best that she could. And I think she can add a lot to her team. And then I also was very impressed by Reina Reyes. I know, Julia, you mentioned you thought it was a little shocking for her to get picked. I thought this was kind of a genius pick. I thought Reina Reyes was so impressive as a defender for Alabama. I thought she was exceptionally good, scoring eight career goals. She led 12 defensive shutouts for the Crimson Tide this season, something that I just thought thought was exceptional for them. I I think um, she was in the running for SEC Defender of the Year, you know, when you look for somebody like that um, on your team, like the Portland Thorns, who, like you mentioned, is going to be losing those U.S. Women's National Team players, I think if you're looking for that talented defender and looking for someone to really protect you, that is the kind of player you need. And I'm very excited to see what both her and Cooper do for their respective teams. I think overall, I was pretty impressed with who I saw get picked, but Messiah Bright missing out in that round one, an absolute mystery to me. I fully agree. I think Reyes might be might be my favorite pick of this this top 10. She can literally do it all. She's got her coach says she has the best competitive spirit he's ever seen and she's just so versatile. She can plug holes, she can play win back, outside back, holding midfielder. She is one versatile player and I think the Thorns are really looking to like fill those different spots. They're looking to refresh after changes in the coaching staff and they need depth and she can provide she is one player that can provide so much of that and she was expected to be selected way later so I'm so psyched to see her as a top five pick and another player that I'm so excited about is Penelope Hawking the player from Penn State to the Red Stars she's tenacious I think she's going to excel in this league she brings a great positive attitude to practicing games she said that Penn State taught her how to play as a professional and like how to keep that attitude alive she's one great striker her her sister's also up for the draft which is super exciting and I think the Red Stars also made a really great pick later with pick 23. They picked her teammate, Ali Schlegel, and they it's good to keep these teammates together. They know how each other operates. And I think that is just genius move on them. I'm pretty happy with this first round. I think the only thing was the courage. I don't understand. They have like three or four picks and they just don't really pick a bunch of for potential first rounders. I, I was so confused about Messiah Bright. She ended up getting drafted in the second round, but the 21st picked I think she's going to Orlando Pride but I just I'm shocked she didn't make that first round and Orlando can really use that if I'm being honest Orlando had a pretty awful season last year they don't have a lot uh going in the way of uh what's their momentum in the future so I think they could have really used that steal um so very happy for the pride there um my favorite I don't want to be too boring here but it's hard to say anyone but Alyssa Thompson. Uh, I mean, I just think with the, she's just going to be so other than great, fantastic. You know, she's going to really change the league. I think, you know, that being the first high schooler drafted and, and going first overall, like it, not only was she the first high schooler drafted, but she was picked first overall. I think 
she's going to be transcendental in the league. And as far as my least favorite pick, uh, there's three of them and it's all of the courages. So not to hate more on the courage, but we actually are. So we're going to move over into uh, the trades or not the trades, uh, the uh, Dabinia leaving North Carolina, just um, talk about one of the mainstays, one of the last remaining people from their, their glory days when they had Sam Mewis and Lynn Williams. Who are both uh who both went to Kansas City now Lynn Williams obviously in Gotham now. Uh side note, really interesting to see what happens with Sam Mewis because it seems like wherever Lynn Williams goes, Sam Mewis goes. I don't know if Gotham could possibly uh get the cash to get Sam Mewis, but I'm just saying it would be, I think, probably the first time in their careers they didn't play together. And if not, it would have been really earlier in their careers. So just a pin in that cap. It'll be really interesting to see how that that turns out. But Looking at the Courage's future, Abby Erseg, the captain of the team, tweeted, even tweeted, uh, I forget, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was something along the lines of, we, yep, we're still bad at trading. For your captain to say that, seeing Ordonez go, seeing Dabinia go, it really is like Abby Erseg versus the world at this point. And it's it's frustrating to see. And I know she's one of my favorite players in the league. She works so hard. Um, guys, what do we see the projection of this courage team going? And I don't want everyone to say last in the board, just automatically. I mean, they, you never know, but what were your thoughts on Dabinia leaving or Donia's leaving? Obviously those draft picks just to kind of wrap this courage bow up, Maddie, what are your last words on, on the courage? Dabinia really was the last piece of my enjoyment of the courage that we had like for a long time when you have to me it was crazy like getting such a talented brazilian soccer player number one like brazilian soccer player in north carolina that does not happen at all often so to have somebody who comes from such a skilled background, such a skilled country, rich in soccer, and to be on your team, she contributed so much to that team. In 2022, she had 12 goals, four assists. She was leading the team at 5-4. This girl was running this field. Like, she was doing everything she could to ensure this team get some success. And now that she's gone, now that everybody's leaving... Abby Ursig, I feel so awful for. And I really, I cannot see this team, not to be pessimistic, but improving by major scales this season. I think this is their test season. I think this is really a rebuild for them in discovering how they're going to play together, what they can improve on technically, and really just put their best foot out. Because right now, this team does not stand a chance against like the Portland Thorns. If you're using that as your as your goal marker for who is the team to beat the the champions are the team to beat, and that's the Portland Thorns. And I do not see this team holding a candle to them this season. That's not to say that they don't have any potential. I think, you know, even why the even with these players shocking me and and getting these players into this you know new position, I don't think it's the end of the world. I don't think this is the end of the courage. I think this is just going to be a very slow rebuild for them. And I think this season is going to be our our test to see okay. These are the players that are starting to gel together. These are the players working together. You don't need, I'm really hoping, because I don't want this to be the case, you don't need to build a team around only superstars to make your team good. You can have expansion teams rise up out of nowhere, like we just saw this past season, 
and create amazing opportunities. So I don't think this Courage team is dead. I think there's a lot of work to do, but I'm going to be one sadder fan this season than I was in previous years going forward. I think the spirits just seem kind of low for the Courage right now. And like, you could tell with just that tweet, there's an obvious disconnect between the players and the powers that be. And like losing to Bina, like it's just, you're just losing pieces of the puzzle. And that's very stressful for this team. And like, with we're, we're, we might be clowning them a little bit for these like trade picks. And like, I'm sure all these players are going to do great, but it's also like, why couldn't you have just taken advantage of having so many picks in the first round and just making such questionable decisions? So I don't really know where the courage goes from here. I think I agree with Maddie. I think they're going to be rebuilding for a little bit. I can see success in the future, but right now these are just some massive blows. Yeah, it's not often you see like a self-inflicted rebuild. I think that's the best way to to describe what this courage team is, is a self-inflicted rebuild. You let Davinia walk, you trade Ordonez, you know, your captain's mad at you. It's hard to see where, you know, obviously next season I think is going to be kind of like where you set the bar. I don't think there's any expectations for this courage team. Definitely not to, to compete for a championship by any means, but you look at a team like Kansas city, you know, they're two stars, uh, Samuels and Lynn Williams, neither of them really played last season and they, you know, they, they went to championships. So you never really know these draft picks. They, they may know something we don't, you know, they may see some tape that we didn't see. And they're like, Oh my God, this is Abby Wambach reincarnated. So you really never know. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt until I see uh, awful play on the field, which is what I'm expecting. But I'm not going to say it's uh, it's inevitable. I think this is where they're going to set the bar to really uh, see where you go from here. Um, again, no expectations next season. Um, that is going to wrap up our draft talk. One final thing: Paige Monahan was traded away from Gotham. On a just a just one more note there. I am very sad to see her leave. I think bringing in Lynn Williams to replace her for that speed, I think it's going to be really great. But she was one of the few offensive pieces that really scored, set up scoring opportunities. So I was a little confused at first, but then when we got Lynn Williams, I was like, okay, this makes a little bit more sense. But very sad to see her go. We're going to move on now to some general NWSL talk. We're going to start first with some free agency stuff. Megan Rapino has signed with OL Reign. I said last time that, uh, last time I was on All In that, I expected her to sign with O.L. Reign, but then you look at someone like Sue Bird investing in Gotham. Something to read into a little bit, but clearly there is nothing there. Guys, it seems like Megan Rapinoe is finishing out her career where it started with O.L. Reign. What do we think of Megan Rapinoe returning to Seattle? Oh, there is no better ending to this kind of story than the fact that she is ending where she started and just hearing the words I'm back Seattle is crazy it's exciting and I think it says a lot um after how how great of a season that she had she had seven goals and four assists in 14 games she only started nine times she her she holds the franchise record 47 career regular season goals and to me she just has been crazy and her commitment to coming back is is absolutely amazing and I I think at the end of the day she saw this as an opportunity to really just end on a a high note doesn't matter what you do anymore it just matters 
you know, finishing where you started, enjoying the game, showing people you enjoy the game. And I think that was a great move from her. And I think that this is just kind of a heartwarming story to see. I I really love seeing players return to their roots, especially somebody with such great talent like Megan Rapinoe. And it's going to be bittersweet to see her finally leave when she does. But I think going back to OL Reign, definitely exciting. And I can't wait to see what she does. Well, I think all you have to say is that home is where the heart is. And Rapino is just, she says that this club means the absolute world to her. They announced her re-signing on the 10th anniversary of her joining the club on the first place. It's just very poetic. And I think this was the, this was a perfect move for her. Like why move now? Finish your career where you started. It's just for like, personally, I think it would just feel like a little like meaningful to me. I don't know how she would feel like um, differently, but I just think it's really great that she's staying put and uh, it's going to be really exciting to see her wrap up her career right where she started. Absolutely. And uh, Oil Rain also signed Lauren Barnes. Uh, Jess Fishlock is still under contract. Those are the three original OG players who have been on the team the whole time. And it's really great to see that trio stick together. They're, they play amazing together, even though they've, they've all been in the league for a very long time, but you never know it by watching them play. So it's going to be really interesting to see O.L. Rain. Also, Rose Lavelle's on that team. Uh, Tobin Heath's a free agent. I'd be surprised to see her sign back with O.L. But, you know, it's moving in the right direction for O.L. Rain, getting Meg- Megan Rapinoe back. Um, we're going to move over to something a little less positive or a little positive, depending on how you look at it. Uh, the future of the league is definitely looking a lot better, but the NWSL has released its sanctions against different coaches and teams in regards to the assault allegations um, that we've seen throughout the past, uh, it's been about a year and a half now of allegations coming out, the reports. The NWSL has issued sanctions. Their individual sanctions they've issued, Paul Riley, Christy Holly, Rory Dame, and Richie Berg have been permanently banned from the NWSL. Craig Harrington and Elise LeHue have been suspended from the from NWSL employment, employment for two years, can make conditional return following suspension. And then team sanctions, Chicago Red Stars have been uh, fined $1.5 million, Portland Thorns a $1 million, Racing Louisville $200K, the Courage, 100K, OL Reign, 50,000, Gotham FC, 50,000. Um, my initial thoughts is good. I mean, they they should sanction these teams. Uh, they shouldn't get away with what, what's happened. Um, I'm especially happy to see uh, such a firm action taken against the, the main coaches who have been uh, obviously doing terrible things within the league, um, that they'll never have another coaching job in the NWSL. I think that's the best. Uh, the best thing you can do in this situation and as someone who's been a fan of the NWSL for a long time, it's great to see actual change happening. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing more to say than I'm glad that the NWSL has taken these steps to really try and protect their players. This is just going to be a long-term thing. Are they going to stick to this long-term and is this going to be a consistent thing? Are you going to crack down? Are you going to investigate constantly to make sure that these clubs aren't going against the rules, aren't abusing their players and aren't treating their players with any disrespect? So I think this is a great step. Um, I think definitely giving all of those coaches permanent bans who were named in um, the original um, abuse report that came out back in December to make sure that, hey, you know, these people, this is no toleration. Like this is absolutely not something that we should 
consider. This is not something that is going to go like under our watch. So I think that's good. But like I said, are they going to maintain these sanctions going forward? And I think that will be the test of it. And until we see something like this again, unfortunately, I don't know if the NWSL will hold uphold these things. You know, the NWSL being so new and, and you know, still in its kind of like phases of learning and how to shape the organization. They need to apply this stuff right away just for the protection of their athletes and the protection of their employees. Like at the end of the day, these are employees and you have to protect them the same way you would protect any other employee. Um, So yeah, going forward, is the NWSL going to do this? I have faith, hopefully, that they will continue this kind of sanctions if a behavior like this occurs. But it's something we got to keep in mind just in case, you know, hey, are you going to take appropriate action with your players and with your coaches going forward if something arises? I've said it before on the pod, but it is so good to get the bad coaches out and get better, healthier coaches in. I say it all the time that like the mentality is the most important thing for an athlete. Sometimes it's honestly more important than physicality. And if you've got these toxic coaches just like harassing their players and just like just not cultivating a healthy mindset for it's just not a good environment. And I am just so unbelievably happy that these coaches are out for good. Um, Paul Riley's already going around saying, oh, oh, it was woke that I was fired. No, this is just respecting the players and treating them with the dignity that they deserve. They are just incredible athletes and they did not deserve to be treated the way that they were. So I think that I'm crediting the NWSL for doing this, and I hope they can continue to keep this this going. I really don't want to see like more reports about like like this happening again. And like I know I'm hoping that they can keep a better eye on it. Yeah, and I think a huge change that's been made, obviously, is with the commissioner. Lisa Baird was kicked out. Um, Jessica Berman is now in, and since she has taken the the lead of the NWSL, she's done a phenomenal job. So I have faith that the NWSL is going to continue to move in a good direction. And I think that starts with the leadership. And I think we have a good leadership council here. I mean, they pretty much uh, cleaned house before when when these allegations initially came out over a year ago. And I just can't speak highly enough to what uh, Jessica Berman's been doing. And speaking of things she's been doing, she announced today that VAR is going to be added into the NWSL. And I think this helps in so many ways and so, so many important ways. I think there's still two big things that the NWSL as a production, as a sport, as a way people uh, view as for an entertainment factor. I think the two big things that were still holding the NWSL back is quality of referees and quality of the cameras that we see. I mean, I watch all, a ton of games on Paramount Plus and sometimes I'm like, is this being recorded on a literal like webcam? It's it's embarrassing at times, but with VAR being added for those who don't know, video assisted ref, it is a way for like offsides calls to to be determined by video uh, penalties, whether a goal is in uh, behind the line or not for close calls. And with that, you have to have good cameras. You have to have six, at least six cameras, and they have to be up to a certain quality. Um, and the NWSL has allocated money for that. So that will be happening. We will see improvements. And of course, VAR adds a second level of uh, making sure calls are made correctly when refs have made bad calls. And as any fan of the NWSL has seen, these refs have made terrible calls. So VAR really covers two huge, huge areas of improvement for the NWSL. And I couldn't be more excited. 
Definitely. I think what VAR has done for the sport of soccer, like in the men's sphere, has been astronomical. We, we've seen it being used at major tournaments now, and it's helped be so precise with the game and giving people the fair win that they deserve. Why wouldn't you implement it in the women's game if you want to really make it equal and make it fair and improve the sport as a whole? You know, if you have constant bad refing, which the NWSL sometimes has, you want to make sure that you at least have the backups to be there and to provide for your league. Hey, you know, if you really want to challenge a call, we want you to encourage that because we have the technology ready and available to protect you guys from winning or losing important games. Like there are games that could decide if you're going to the playoffs, if you're, if you're getting that extra spot, we never know every single year how close it's going to be. And if say one year we're without VAR and it comes down to an indecisive goal, it's going to suck if you don't have that kind of potential when you know it's accessible to this league. So I think it's a great addition. I've always kind of been skeptical in adding technology to sports um, and adding it at such a rapid rate because I do believe there is some, you know, kind of need for the human element in the game because the game is never going to be perfect and it never should be perfect in my opinion. But I think this is a good step in case you know, you want to clarify a call if you want to look into offsides. It's a great thing to have. I don't think it's going to change the sport or make the sport awful. I think this is only a beneficial thing to the sport. And I think for women finally getting this in the league, huge. And I'm very excited to see it implemented. And hopefully everything goes smoothly. Obviously, with the first year, there's going to be problems and people are going to complain. However, I think going forward, an amazing addition for the sport. Yeah, Maddie, you're pretty much touching up on all my points right there. I think it's great in this game. It's like better safe than sorry. Get those calls. Make sure they're right because you don't want to be robbing those teams from a win from like a misjudged call. So I think I think this is great. It's always good to just like make sure. And it just kind of enhances the excitement. Like, oh, they're waiting. Like when you're watching, you're like, oh, is this going to be like called or not? And if it is or isn't, you know, I think this technology is really going to improve that like sense of like kind of like suspense in a way. Absolutely. And guys, I think we've wrapped up what's been an incredible, incredibly content heavy week in the NWSL. There's no better way to end than on this super optimistic note on the future of the NWSL. We will be back next week for another edition of All In. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. All In is a production of WFUV Sports.